Radio Mano Papachango. city of Austin, Texas, and uh, you've been following me along the way, you all have, and for that, I am grateful. Hello Chris, um, me and my mate Matt are just sitting by a fire, uh, we're in the UK, we're in Cambridge, and we've just been having conversation for the last four hours and we've been talking about everything that's kind of interesting us and challenging us in our lives at the moment, and the one thing that it keeps coming back round to is your podcast and how you you your podcast and like the people that you have on have given us the language to be able to explore um the things that are like challenges challenging us in our lives right now hello chris my name is matt and uh, i've got to say your attitude on the truth has been a truly transformative experience and has made me significantly more comfortable with myself and accepting myself and identifying as bisexual and being a, more true to myself and continue on this path of pushing into discomfort and developing myself as an individual thanks to your words and uh, thank you for everything you got to say yeah that's it in a in a in a society that is lacking uh, mentors and kind of teachers and people that are comfortable talking about anything uh, listening to your podcast has definitely opened both of our eyes and like it's brought us closer and yeah thank you for everything that you do hello chris ryan and all the tangelistas what up my name is alita i live in california and i just quit my job and i feel so fucking good and empowered and honestly lucky that I have the privilege of actually quitting a job that I was compromising myself to do. Anyway, I'm fucking feeling good about quitting my job. It's the middle of the summer. Bees are buzzing, blooms are blooming. And I would just like to say that I'm a single woman and I am ready for my regenerative farming love story. So if you're into this, if this sounds good to you, tangentialistas, get at me. I am at Alita Bloom on Instagram. I'm not scared. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Chris Ryan. Thank you. Thank you for creating this awesome community. Thank you for keeping me company in my ears, many late nights up on the farm pulling tarp as we do. And thank you, tangentialistas. Much love.
Wow, that one took a turn, huh? Alita Bloom. Uh, I don't know what my legal uh, obligations are here. Um, please be nice to Alita Bloom if you do reach out to her. Uh, it's A L I D A B L O O M on Instagram. Uh, yeah, sometimes I, uh, I'm very tempted to sort of set up a dating service somehow here because I hear from so many people who are frustrated by the same things. I'm sure I've talked about this before on the podcast, this sort of, you know, there are no women who are looking for guys like me. And then I, you know, hear women from women who are like, there are no guys like the guy I'm looking for. And it's like, I just got an email from him. Um, in fact, I just got an email from somebody who's like a guy who um, I think he said he has a business teaching people how to do regenerative agriculture in urban settings. And he was offering to hook me up with a greenhouse in Colorado. And, you know, uh, like within an hour ago, I got that email from that guy. So might be your your dream dude there, Alita Bloom. Uh, and thank you, uh, guys by the fire and dude in the car. The, the, I get a lot of these things from people in cars and it's it's awesome. And I get it. You're driving down the road and you're like, oh, maybe I'll record that thing for Chris. And um, that's really great. But the road noise, sometimes I, I, I'm afraid to play it because I don't want to blast people. I know a lot of people are listening to this with earbuds and, uh, you know, you're just sort of tooling around in your garden, pulling tarps or whatever you're doing. And then suddenly you've got like this booming road noise going on. So I'm not sure uh, how that comes across on your end. I hope I didn't blow anyone's ears out with that. Anyway, this episode is with the fantastic Daniele Bolelli. Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. It's a co-release. I stopped at his place in Ojai. Um, what? six weeks ago or something uh, when I was going through that part of the country and we recorded this and agreed we would co-release it. So if you listen to Daniele's um, Drunken Taoist podcast, um, you might hear this same conversation there. Daniele, of course, also is the host of the wildly popular History on Fire podcast where he recounts historical uh, situations ranging from Crazy Horse, the Lakota warrior and leader, to um, the slave revolts in ancient Rome and uh, all over the place. He's he's a badass historian, is I think the moniker that's been bestowed upon Daniele. I am back in Crestone, Colorado at my buddy Justin's house. Um, we... Uh, the, the trip, the summer trip, was two months. We were in uh, Idaho, as, as I mentioned in the last episode, by the river there, the Pi, Payette River, I think it was called. Beautiful place. But the smoke started coming in, and, um, you know, we have some, some things to do down here. And then I'm, I'm not sure. I, the plan is to go to Europe and spend a couple months in Spain. Um, but this fucking Delta variant is getting crazy and um you know we're vaccinated so i guess the chances of any sort of um hospitalization are extremely low and you know death very 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 low um but i'm not sure i want to be on a fucking airplane for 15 hours right now 
I never want to be on an airplane for 15 hours with the coughing and the screaming and the farting and the just the whole like fucking humanity, too much humanity in one place, you know? Um, so I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. We might end up just hanging in the van. Uh, the, the limitation is I've got to be in Vegas in November. I'm going to be giving a talk at an event called Meet Delic in early November in Vegas. Uh, if you get my monthly newsletter, you've seen mention of that and the ad down at the bottom. By the way, if you don't get my monthly newsletter and would like to, it basically just sort of says what I've been doing, you know, whatever's been on my mind and, uh, talks about some of the episodes that I've recorded this month. You can sign up for that at my website, thatchrisryan.com. You can also support the podcast there if you're into it. I, man, I am so bad at, uh, advertising myself. Um, I really should do it more because I do notice when I mention it, people go and sign up and support the podcast. So a lot of people are are willing to. They just, um, you know, don't know. I guess they need to be reminded or um, I don't know. But uh, the income from the podcast has been steadily dwindling and I keep saying, oh, I should I should pump it up. I should tell people and talk about it and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's it's weird to try to do something, try to monetize something uh, when, you know, your basic philosophy is that money is necessary, but, uh, you know, it's, it's something that becomes toxic and high quali- quantities. Not that I'm anywhere near approaching high quantities, but... Uh, I might have to write another goddamn book. I don't know. We'll see. I was also thinking of another thing. You know, I, I've, I've mentioned um, before that upwards of 10% of whatever uh, I make from this podcast, I pass along to people who need it more than I do. And, uh, you know, that's been friends and family and people I meet on the road. And I don't talk about who they are because it's, you know, it, it's not that kind of thing. You're know, like, hey, I gave $2,000 to so-and-so. And they're like, what? What are you telling everybody? Um, but I was thinking it might be interesting to to recycle the money that you guys send me, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10% or something, to people in the podcast community who need it. Um, this is an embryonic idea. So if you think of a good way to do this, um, let me know. Um, because I'm, I'm still trying to think it through. I mean, I don't want it to be like, Oh my God, I can't pay my rent this month. So send me money. I mean, that's a, a worthy cause, but I'm thinking more of like, you know, someone who's trying to raise a little money to kit out their van or, um, they're building a, a tiny home or, you know what I mean? Something that's going to be an investment that's going to pay off over time. And I was also thinking rather than, I mean, I don't want people writing, you know, applying and then being disappointed when they don't win or, or whatever. Um, so I was thinking maybe it should be like not for you, but for someone you know. You know what I mean? So if you wrote me the email, it's like, listen, 
you know, I have this friend and she's in this situation and, um, you know, 500 bucks would really mean a lot to her right now because it would enable her to do this and, you know, pull herself out of that or whatever. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. So maybe that's a bad idea. Maybe I'm just like setting myself up to piss a lot of people off, which I, is the opposite of what I would like to do here. Um, so if, if you have any ideas, uh, let me know how to handle that in a, in an intelligent way. That's not going to piss everybody off. I watched, or I didn't watch, I read an article recently that I keep thinking about. I think it was in the Atlantic. It was written by a climate scientist um, who studies ancient, um, it's like geological time, the climate over geological time. And I have to admit, my breadth of historical... uh, awareness goes back a few hundred thousand years to the advent of anatomically modern human beings. And previous to that, I start to get lost in the mists of of time. Like right off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you if the earth is, you know, a billion years old or five billion years old or 500 million years old. I'm, I get lost in those very big numbers. But anyway, this article was about um, what the earth looked like at different points of time and um, with kind of related to the carbon content in the atmosphere. And the point of the article that, that this scientist was trying to convey was how urgently we need to get carbon emissions under control because the last time the earth had this much carbon in the atmosphere, it looked like, I mean, there was fucking jungles, you know, covering Antarctica. There were alligators in Greenland, you know, all these fossils are coming up showing um, how steamy and hot and humid and uninhabitable for anything like a human being the earth was at various points. Um, But I ended up sort of coming to an opposite conclusion in a strange way, because what I came away from this article feeling was that the earth is this living, changing, erupting, flowing, adapting organism that we happen to be inhabiting at the moment, like fleas on an elephant's back or something. And we are the, the, the sort of premise of a lot of the environmental urgency is that there's a stability that we're disrupting. And what I got from this article was that there is no stability. There has never been stability. There are periods of apparent stability that can last 5, 10, 15,000 years. But beyond that, you start to see recurring changes and and cycles that happen, uh, ice ages that uh, recur every 
10 to 12,000 years, if you look at the last two or 300,000 years, there's been this recurring rhythm of ice ages, and we're overdue for one right now. So we've been in this period in the last 10,000, 12,000 years, with, which signifies the advent of agriculture, of course, and, and everything that we know as far as technology and um, you know what the world looks like. This is a very recent and extremely brief pause in these massive shifts. Um, you know, if, if you have listened to um, what's his name, Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock, uh, they've been on Rogan's podcast. They've talked about these asteroid events um, that trigger these massive floods and global changes. Uh, the Yosemite uh, volcano has erupted two, three, four times and, you know, that we can see. And every time it's totally changed the climate of the planet. Uh, the Toba eruption, which was about 70,000 years ago, killed almost all people on the planet in, in the course of a year. Uh, the ash just changed the planet all the plants withered. There was no food. The animals died. There's there's a coating of ash all over the planet that relates to that. So these things happen regularly. The shit hits the fan over and over and over and over again. And so it, I'm, I mean, it's a weird place to be, but I'm almost feeling like this idea that we are destroying our environment it's true, and I'm fucking disgusted by the plastic in the ocean and the, you know, the radiation, the the nuclear reactors that just get dumped off the side of fucking, you know, aircraft carriers into the ocean as if as if you can just throw things away and they disappear. I'm disgusted by the lack of respect that we have for the planet and the other inhabitants of this planet, and yet when you look at this situation over geological time, the premise of stability is gone. It disappears. There is no stability. In fact, I don't know if this is scientifically true, but it occurred to me while I was reading this article that maybe the reason the next ice age hasn't appeared yet is precisely because there's all this extra carbon in the atmosphere. Maybe the cycle, the 12,000, 10 to 12,000 year cycle of recurring ice ages has been disrupted by our, you know, inadvertent intervention. Because otherwise, you know, according to the patterns, there should be a mile thick layer of ice down as far as Central France, Holland, under ice, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, England, totally under ice. Not to mention Canada, Alaska. So, I don't know. It's, it's left me in a weird place. It's kind of like, you know, Newtonian physics has this presumption of stability. You know, the earth is here. It's stable. You drop an apple, it moves toward the center of the earth. That's it. And then along came Einstein and said, no, no, everything is moving all the time. 
everything. Space itself is moving. And so these relationships are much more complex than we think. And the rules of cause and effect are nothing like what we imagine in a three-dimensional Newtonian perspective. Anyway, I'm way out of my depth here uh, as far as knowledge and study goes. But I do think that uh, things are much more complicated than we know. And that, you know, whether we get carbon under control or not, which clearly we're not, um, the, the climactic shit will hit the fan over and over and over. Wipe the slate clean as it has done repeatedly uh, since the existence of this planet. On that happy note, I'm going to play you out with a song that was written especially for me uh, by a guy named Jack Stafford. I was on his podcast a few months ago. It was called um, Pod Songs, I think. Uh, he's an interesting cat. He sort of uh, he writes songs the way you know other people drink a beer. He just sort of like has a, a guest on his podcast and then based on the conversation or whatever it is that that guest is known for, he'll write a song. Uh, and uh, and they're good. They're good songs. Interesting. I encourage you to look them up on YouTube. There's a really funny video he did about, what is it? It's like about going to the bathroom or his girlfriend going to the bathroom or something and toilet paper. And it's uh, it, it's better than it sounds. <laughs> It's pretty, it's very irreverent. Um, anyway, this song is called Civilized to Death. And uh, it's by Jack Stafford. And his podcast is Pod Songs. And then you're going to hear my conversation with the great, the one and only, Daniele Bolelli, a guy that I really love. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for supporting it. This is the part where I should be asking you to send me money, but I'm not going to do it. It's just implied. See how meta this is? This is very meta. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. And uh, let me know what you think about that idea of sort of cycling some money back into the tangentially speaking community. Is If there's a clean and easy way to do that, that won't piss people off. All right. Thanks. You're civilized to death. Catch you later. Emergency surgery and antibiotics Half your work done by a team of robotics Till you've confessed you're depressed and distressed and depressed What's the matter with you? You can travel through the sky sitting down in a chair Get a drink, eat a meal and there's Wi-Fi up there But at the slightest delay you complain Like it's the end of the world So why?
girls care You're working seven days a week just to keep them there You've been promised all your free time When you're retired You're the pie for the fire of incessant growth Where any movements, advancement or progress or both You're like a falling man Who insists he's flying So why aren't you happy now? Why aren't you at all? You've been civilized today your Japanese, the Mongolians just invaded and you have to defend the island and uh, at one point yeah, she's like attacking this Mongolian camp and there are the Mongolians doing throat singing. I'm like, don't attack them let me finish the song at least <laughs> Do not attack us Yeah, I'm here with Daniele Bolelli in beautiful Ojai, California Yeah We were talking about your uh your sauna i did a podcast in a sauna once you did a podcast i hope it was like a three-minute podcast no it was uh, it was uh, at least half an hour it was with neil strauss and gabby reese they are hardcore man yeah they call it the truth barrel and they they co-hosted this podcast for a while and they would record every episode in the sauna jesus the only weird thing is where do you clip your mic <laughs> i can think of places but yes that could it's be uncomfortable yes yeah, so... Um, was, how hot did it get? Cause it was pretty hot. I mean, it was, you know, truth barrel. You're hot. Damn. I used to have those same chairs. Yeah. Those are, those are good. 
those hammock chairs. Anyway, uh, oh, hi. So, wait, did we decide, is this my podcast or your podcast? We haven't figured it out yet. Both? So, it may, we, you guys may be listening on both, on one, okay. yeah, who knows. So, you're still, you're still doing the... Drunken Taoist. The Drunken yes. Taoist, yes. okay. And what's the name of the other one, the history one? History on Fire. History on Fire. All right. I just released, actually, a couple of Bruce Lee episodes, mm. uh, a whole biography of Bruce Lee. I had, that must have um, been fun. I had his daughter, Shannon, do the introduction, which was sweet. Uh, she's always been super cool to me, so that was mm. fun. And, uh, yeah, so enjoyable. And, like, it's not, a, it's not a bad life. Let's put it that way. So I remember back in the day when we were just starting yeah. out, the joke was everyone's going to have a podcast someday. Right. And now it's uh, everyone's going to have two podcasts. Right. Like I'm the only guy with one podcast still really? at this point. Probably. But yeah, I mean, it seems like people do their, their old standby podcast and then they do some sort of specialized thing. Anya has two podcasts. That's cool. How is the... How is it even like? How do you think? I'm not keeping up. I'm not paying attention. Yeah. But like, what's the deal? Is like, because last I checked, the overwhelming majority of podcasts they didn't even get their own mom to listen, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, I don't there want are my mom to listen. Right? There are resilient podcasts, but yeah. most of them run for ten episodes. Then they're like, screw this, nobody listen, and it's work, and yeah. then they are done. Is that still this? Because I would imagine that with the numbers growing. There's only so. I mean, even if the audience is growing a bit, it's not growing that much to the level that to support that many podcasts out there. I don't know what's happening. I mean, there seems to be money. Companies are giving you money. Yeah, I like that. They're not giving me any money. They're giving right. Rogan money. Yeah. I mean, there seems to be money around, uh, and I'm getting, you know. Uh, I get approached by publicists, you know, uh -huh. so-and-so, it was yeah. a book and blah, 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 all that all the time. And now I'm starting to get approached by publicists for people who are starting podcasts. Oh, I, so they want to promote their podcast on my podcast. Of course. Which is, you know, back in our day, like I did yours, you did mine, yeah, Duncan yeah. did yeah. you, Joe, and we, everyone sort of was doing each other's. Which was a good way to do it, but now, as you say, I don't know if there's enough audience to go around. So, right. having people on to promote their new podcast, like um, Reza Aslan oh, and yeah. Rain Wilson, are oh, are going to be doing a podcast. And I talked to their publicist once to get them on yeah. mine. It's like, so okay, now I have to deal with like best-selling authors and T, you know, the right. guy from The Office. Right. I mean, it's inevitable in some way. It's uh, it's inevitable because it caught on, and like anything that becomes somewhat mainstream, of course, then and it's cheap. It's easy to set up. It's easy to yeah. Capital investments low. Exactly. So, I just wouldn't have thought there would be enough money in it for people like that. For the majority of people, there isn't. You know, for many people, if you are making a bunch of money in other ways, they will do it as a publicity thing. Right. It's kind of like they are not making money on it. They don't if it, they make money it's great, but it's an extra. It's more a publicity thing because your publisher wants you to have something so mm. you have the, the right numbers and all that kind of stuff. It's like a form of social media almost. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And then, because, yeah, when you look at the numbers of how many people actually make money with podcasts, it's a minuscule percentage of the total. Yeah. It's, uh, I would bet that in any one genre, if you are past the top 2% in terms of audience, you make next to nothing. And, mm. uh, and even in the top 2%, there's a humongous gap between the 0 0.01 and, 
and the rest. So it's like the American economy Pretty in general. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> That's if kind you're of the how top it is. 10% of the top 1%. Yeah. Good for you. Otherwise, you're fucked. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we should do some sort of uh, podcast wealth redistribution. We should, you know, <laughs> demonstrate. Are you willing to do that, so Danielle? The wealth redistribution of you're definitely one percent. You're the you're yeah. a one percenter. Yeah, I don't know for how long, but as long as it works, <laughs> I like it. A it's, friend of mine uh, from Colorado, this dude, funny dude, really good friend of mine. Uh, but he's not rich, mm-hmm. far from rich. In fact, he's an apprentice electrician mm-hmm. at this point. So he's putting in his time at really low wages so that later he'll get licensed and he can yeah. open a company and all that, right? So the guy's anything but rich. He comes to visit a friend in L.A. a couple of weeks ago, and it's her birthday. He takes her to dinner at some restaurant, nice Switch. restaurant, but I'm sure not yeah. you know, super nice, but nice restaurant, nice meaning expensive. And they're sitting at a table outside. She goes to the bathroom. He's sitting there. And some dude comes up on a bike and starts screaming at him, calling him a one percenter. Fuck you, one percenter. Fuck you. <laughs> it's like this guy. Do you he's like, really have any idea? Yes. I'm getting trashed for being rich. I'm spending like all the money I've saved up right. on the appetizers here. And oh, you're wow. giving me shit. And even calling then, me a one percenter. And even then... If the guy's nice and he's got money, who cares? Good for him, you know? If he's not yeah. nice, that's a di- I don't like the thing where it's about plugging people in one big, broad category, whether yeah. it's an ideological one or an economic one or anything. It's like not everybody's the same in that group. You right. know? Whether you're talking about religion or politics or economic. Race. It's like there's a humongous difference between this individual and that individual and you yeah. trying to put everybody in the same group you're just a lazy bastard, you know? Just get to yeah. know individuals. I, it, but is it possible to get to individuals, right? Isn't this a cognitive issue where, you know what I mean? We can't constantly be assessing things from the beginning. So we develop shortcuts. Yeah, It's sort of unavoidable. I think it's a question of scale. Um because you're right, obviously, you know, and we all know everyone's different, everyone's an individual. Do you remember the scene in Life of Brian? Yeah, yeah. Where so for, I know which one you're gonna say. Uh, yes, it's yes, one of my favorite yes, jokes. It's ever. hilarious. So everyone's following this guy around because they've mistaken him for the Messiah, and he's just fed up because everyone's following him around and hassling him. And there's the scene where he's making love with his girlfriend, I think. And he gets up and he opens the shutters and there's like a throng of people. Oh, there he is. And he's like, oh, God damn it. Leave me alone. And he yells at them. He's like, what's wrong with you people? Can't you see? You're all yelling the same things. You're all, you know, you're on a cult. You're all individuals. You're all different. And they say, we're all individuals. We're all different. (laughs) Which is already a good joke, right? And then one guy says, I'm not. No man, no see. I actually thought you were gonna talk mention uh, for what that one. That scene is great. There's another scene in there where they have uh, the guy who's like, uh, uh, "We are the Judean people front," uh, yeah. and the other guy's like, "But we hate the front." I forget the exact names, but they're basically like these identical right. names that are the all front like of Judean people, Jewish revolutionaries against Rome. <laughs> yeah, and they absolutely hate one another, uh, and it's like, yeah. and it's and it's hilarious because that's how it is, right? The fractioning like, of the left. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. 
How are you going to do it? But the, I, I mean, I'm often perplexed by the idea that the same people who are really upset about racism, mm -hmm. rightly so, sure. racism is a big issue, but they are the same people who say race is not a real thing. Sure. So it's a real thing or it's not a real right. thing. We're upset about it, but it doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think confusing. the way you can try to spin it together is the idea that no, in reality, doesn't exist. But because you, damn bastard, decide that it exists and you act like it because you're a racist asshole who argue that it's real, then you're making that something that's real that really isn't. Yeah. That me trying to bend over backwards, trying yeah. to reconcile the two. But I think that's the logic. But, but ultimately, you know, in all of these things, race, ideology, religion, it pisses me off because I always feel like it's a real lazy way to approach life. It's a real, like what we think is a shortcut is actually makes the whole thing way more complicated and way harder to have real communication. Yeah. Because you are not dealing with, with the reality of a person in front of you. Right. That person in front of you is the embodiment of something that exists in your mind as an idea and you're projecting onto them whatever you think they represent. And the person, I mean, some people fit stereotypes to a T, right? So those do exist. But there's a ton of people who don't. Yeah. And Sometimes I, f I feel like it's hard to tell the difference between laziness and exhaustion. Sure. And I think... A lot of people are just so overwhelmed by life. And it, you know, sometimes it feels like that's by design, right? Mm -hmm. Let's make, first of all, let's cut funding to education. Let's make education more like uh, respect authority than learn to think critically. Because right. the last thing an authoritarian institution wants is true critical thinking, right? Because sure. they'll call bullshit on you, which you don't want. Um, and then, you know, the, Fucking minimum wage hasn't gone up since since two thousand nine. That for sure. You know, you're in debt. You're fucking working your ass off just to survive. So who's got time to really or energy mm -hmm. to be generous? It's really and so sometimes I get angry at people for their laziness or sure. their lack of generosity or their you know shitty shortcut thinking. But then I also think, like, yeah, a woman probably has three jobs, two kids, husband's left. Sure. Uh, am I going to blame her for her ignorance? No, you know? but at the same time, no, you don't blame the person for the ignorance. But then when they turn it and use that same exact approach to somebody else who also has three jobs and is dealing with this, it's like, don't... The same, the same way we don't do it to you, don't do it to other people, you know? Yeah, so is compassion a luxury, well, but that's where I feel that, I mean, I, you're 100% right about current conditions encouraging certain trends, for sure. But I also feel that it really predates that, that it's kind of like a virus of the human mind, that once mm. you move out of the small-scale community where you know right. individuals, right. that just how almost everybody who doesn't really make a point to pay attention to this stuff and check themselves all the right. time defaults to that because it's easy right because it's well yeah i mean i i feel like we're we're back where we started right with the question of is this uh is this something we can actually avoid or is this just the reality of living on a scale of population in which we cannot know each person as an individual just can't do it 
because there are just too many of them. So generalizations are the only way to... Okay, but you, Marmi, what's so hard, and I'm asking it as a rhetorical question, but also it's not. It's really like maybe there's something I'm missing here. But what is so hard about just resisting that tendency to think in abstract terms of thinking the left wing, the right wing, the Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, the whatever the hell, like rather than acknowledging the fact that these things are largely stereotypes, much like the same way as a race is a stereotype that you think, oh, all those guys with that skin color, they all act this way. Right. All Christians are like this. All communists are like this. All these are like this. And you plug everybody. First, we shouldn't do it to ourselves. Like, I don't want any of those fucking labels where I'm supposed to live up to the idea of what this thing is. Fuck that. I want to be me. The great know? Italian lover? Yes. You don't want to live up to that? Well, but that's me. <laughs> that's not a collective oh, oh, thing. Okay. That's like that's very your, applied to the you're individual. You're talking yes, about exactly. all this time? Yes. All right. All right. I thought it was Fabio, oh, but it was actually that. you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But uh, <laughs> like, what, yeah. seriously, like, what's so hard about resisting that tendency of saying, you know what, I, I don't want to play the game. I want to deal with specific situations and specific individuals. Well, I, I, isn't it? I mean, I know this was maybe partly a rhetorical question. So no, but, it, but it's not. Wanna... No, I actually do want to have the well, answer. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's like you need to define the words every time you talk. Right, it's it's you sure. need to start at zero, and and just I think it's just too difficult. It's it there's there's too much there's too much going on. It's it's easier to say that group of people tends to be like this, right? Right. These countries tend to be like that. These cultures, desert cultures, tend to be violent. And- tend is already better because you are allowing already for exceptions. You know what I mean? Yeah, you are saying, yeah. as a general rule, well, that's I've seen how that I happen. generalize. I like that. That I can leave. <laughs> Give with, yourself right? a little wiggle wiggle room. Yeah. That that works because yeah. you are saying, look, that's my experience. There I've are seen exceptions. this time and time right. again. But obviously, I'm not even saying it's yeah. everybody, or right. maybe it's not even the majority. Maybe it's a solid number, but it's not even the majority of people people who fit that right that's fair yeah that's all right what i don't like is the use of these terms and i guess this is a very taoist concept right it's like first line of the Tao Te Ching. it's like you know, the moment you can speak about it you're already departing from reality mm, right it's exactly yeah, what you've we're... slapped a term on it now it sticks to the term yep and yeah. so to me all these discussions about whether they are political, whether they are religious, whether they are about any of these kind of big broad categories kind of stuff. I feel that like the second somebody say, "Oh, because the left like psh, shut the fuck up. You're already wrong. Like I don't want to hear what you're going for or the right or it doesn't even matter which one they are picking on, mm-hmm. right? But it's like when you starting to create this abstraction out there, I feel like what the fuck are you talking about? Like, talk about something that's in front of you, that's right there, that means something. Because there is no such thing as uh, the left or the right or Christianity or Buddhism. There are 10 zillion people with... Like, that's actually my standard line when I would teach history of religions. On day one, my first thing would be like, there is no such thing as any of them. There is no Christianity, there is no Buddhism, there is no Islam. What there is, is there are... Two billion people who fit in one of those particular labels, and they don't agree with one another about mm. pretty much anything. You know, the only thing, like the only thing, all Christians agree on is Jesus is cool. That's where it ends. Past that point, 
Well, even then you could say there's not a lot of agreement because they can't decide who Jesus was. Precisely. So did you have Jesus one that's help a God, the poor, that's one, or yeah. did he dislike the poor? Right? Yeah. But they like the name. <laughs> they like the name of Jesus. <laughs> My <laughs> Jesus. Yes. It was cool. So yeah. to me, it's like I apply this to everything, right? To politics, mm. to any of these things where we get trapped talking about things that are beyond what we can reach and touch kind of thing. I feel we go into very dangerous territory because the road from a useful generalization to a ridiculous stereotypes that have nothing to do with reality is there's a really thin line there. What about going the other direction? Is there a danger of over specification? You know what I mean? Sure. For example, no, maybe I'm you know, old school, but I feel like there are there are ways to say things like most men tend to be X, most women tend to do Y. I don't have it. I think the way you phrase it is the sweet spot. Right. Right. That's the way where you can still use some generalization because they are useful. You know. You so can... what's happened? Like Anya and I talk about this a lot. She. Um, her father's gay. And uh -huh. so she was raised in a family with a gay father, straight mother, openly gay. Sure. Uh, very kind of uh, open-minded about gender uh -huh. and, and, you know, sexual behavior and orientation and all that. And when we talk about trans people, and I don't want to get you in uh -huh. trouble if this is an area I you'd rather not go into, but mind. when we talk about the, the whole trans thing, if I'm understanding her position correctly, she's kind of frustrated saying like, Okay, wait, you say gender's not real, but you want to change your gender. Sure. It's kind of like the racism yeah, thing, right? Yeah, Does it, yeah. If it doesn't exist, how are you locating yourself within sure. it? And, and so it's like, why can't you just be a woman with these appetites? Mm -hmm. You're a woman who likes to dress like a dude sometimes, sure. and you're into women most of the time, but sometimes into men. You don't need to become a man. And mm -hmm. then and then the, the sort of orthodoxy is a trans woman is the same as a woman. And that's just obviously not true to sure. me. Now, of again, course. maybe I'm just an old fuddy-duddy and I, I don't get it and, you know, you kids and your music. But to me, it seems obvious that someone who was born in one body sure. and transitioned to another is different from someone who was born into that body. That seems pretty straightforward right that seemed like at the same time you know what it is about this like take a topic like this right the mm. whole trans thing or multiple gender ideas and all of that is like how many people talk about it it's in the news all the time it's a constant topic of discussion right. i'm like how many of you motherfuckers ever interact with somebody who's trans yeah do you know anybody yeah overwhelming majority of people don't yeah i have like my personal knowledge is so ridiculously limited yeah me too single digits for sure that whatever i say is bullshit because i'm talking about something that's not within my realm of experience so i'm just like i find yeah. the whole the wind behind all that discussion both the people who are pushing it pro the people who are against it the people who are this if you just leave it to the people who's, ac who's actually part of their experience either because they directly are or people who are family and friends and mm. then that would probably be a healthier discussion than getting 
30 zillion people on board on a discussion about a topic that you don't know shit about. Well, but that's the nature of our day. That's because everyone has a podcast. Right. But what, what like, are we going to talk about? But, but that's my point. It's like, how about you talk about the tomatoes in your garden or uh, you talk about how you raise your kids or you talk right. about the shit that you actually know and have experience of or right. if you talk about stuff that's more out there be creative be don't get into arguments about real stuff of which you have no experience you know what i mean because that's like that's a stupid that's a boring game you know what i mean well but isn't that the game of politics of sports i, I mean isn't that what everyone's doing all the time like right taking a position on something they don't know anything about it's a fucking stupid game like same thing right <laughs> like politics is like i don't want to talk about politics in the abstract yeah i want to talk about that one issue I think that would make things better. Why don't we do that? Oh, you don't think so. Well, let's look at the evidence. Let's that to me is a way to talk about politics mm. that makes sense. Right. right? It's very specific. It's not, not identity. That, it's not identity based at all. It's just about that one issue. That one issue is not tied to, oh, since you believe this about abortion, then you clearly must believe this about masks and this about global mm. warming and this No, fuck that. Let's look about right. one issue. Right. With the fact that I don't even care if whatever I'm thinking when I start is what gets done. Mm. You know what I care about? That we find a solution. Mm. That everybody is happier by the time we are done with that discussion. That I care about. I give a fuck if it's my way or yours or a hybrid in between. It's like, that to me is, it's an ego thing. You know, it's mm. like, it's not about uh, really wanting to find a solution. It's about me wanting to flex the muscle and say, you see, I was right. My yeah. idea was the correct one. It's like, are you really that in need of affirmation? Yeah. To me, those things think, are about finding people. Are. Of course, that's a, unfortunately that's, that's the so answer. So let's let's go deeper there. What's ha is it just the availability of social media that's created all this arguing all the time, or was this animosity always there, and this is just a place where it's channeled now? I tend to go for the latter, hmm. and I tend to think that, of course. I mean, it's not just that simple to say it was always there and this is a channel. That also the channel amplifies, it blows it out of proportion, turn it into something that's a hundred times bigger than it was to begin with. Right. But that need for identity, I think is something that human beings across the globe have killed and have mm. been killed for. For I can't even go out. How far back do we go in time? For lots and lots and lots of generations, right? So do you think that the... The collapse of institutional group identity as mm -hmm. religions yep. or, you know, all of these institutions have collapsed recently in terms of their, you know, viability and respectability. So that's left people with free floating anxiety around group identity. 100%. Yeah. I think. The it's a human, good time to start a cult. Yeah. Under, I mean, if you want to play that game, it's an easy game to play. Oh, yeah. If you are halfway smart, you can kill it. You know, Do you hear the about cult. the, there's some Indian dude who came to America and pretended to start, he pretended he was a guru and he was just fucking, fucking around. around. I love that. And he ended up with hundreds of followers. Of course. Of course. That's how it works. It's, so it's an easy game. Yeah. I mean, because when you think about it, it's very easy what people crave. Oh, he needs an accent, Daniele. 
I think I got that covered. I think um, I have the wrong one. I think I can do well in the lovely lady seduction department, not so much in the starting the... The Osho? Yeah. You got to get a beard. Yeah. You're halfway there. I'm halfway there, but, but I also need a different accent. I need something. Well, you know what? Most people can't tell one apart from the other yeah. anyway. So you're, you're foreign. Doesn't that's, matter. that's enough. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think, I mean, and I get it because... Um, the need for, like, let's backtrack a second. Why the need for identity? Why is it that people crave so much to belong to something? To me, a lot of it is the fact that life is fucking scary. Yeah. That is, I was gonna uh, say, they're afraid. In a dangerous, scary universe in which we don't know shit about the big questions of life. We don't know if you existed before you are born, if anything is going to happen once you die. I mean, think about it. We are around for a dot in time compared to yeah. the thousands and thousands of years out there. That's stressful shit. Existential anxiety is real. And I think that that existential dread is something that people fight with dogma. Having some kind of dogma that delivers all the answers that reassure you, that make you feel like you're not alone. We all believe this shit. So that means it must be real and yeah. uh, you got it covered. I'm going to take your picture while you're talking here. With the, uh, it's, we've got the sauna in the back. Oh, nice. Good deal. All right. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's that, the existential fear, but I think there's also a very practical level fear, which, you know, what we started out talking about. People are working desperately to survive, uh, can't pay the rent, can't afford to live in the neighborhoods where they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't raise their kids, you know, if they get sick, they lose their house, they lose everything. Um, they're very practical fears, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the United States at least, sure. for sure. Um, and the lack of community combined with the lack of governmental assistance. Yep. You know, in Mexico, you've got community and family, yep. or, you know, Italy, you've got a combination. Mm-hmm. Um but here it's like there's no safety net. So people Not are terrified right. and and instinctively we have always felt that other people are our salvation, right? Mm-hmm. Going back to the hunter-gatherers, I got your back, you got my back, we'll be okay. Either one of yep. us alone is just food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's a it's a strange time, man. It's a fascinating but strange difficult time. Because to me, exactly what you lined up, right? So community, that's important. Uh, housing, food, uh, eating good stuff, making sure your kids are taken care of. Those are real things. Yeah. Spend your time addressing those things. How can you create a community in the lifestyle that you have around you? Can you have, do you have two, three other families close to you that you can be kind of have create a close knit type of thing. Right. Can you figure out a way to grow some food that's healthy in your backyard or wherever the hell it is? Can you, you know, those are very real issues with practical answers. They mm-hmm. are not theoretical weird shit. They are very practical answers. Spend 95% of your time on that stuff. And then if you want to spend time up in your head, you do it creatively. You watch cool movies, you listen to cool music, you do those things that kind of feed your soul in a Mm. pleasant way. Mm -hmm. 
rather than fucking arguing about transgender bathrooms, you know what I mean? It's like, really, yeah. that's where you want to spend your time, where it has nothing to do with your life. Right. It's like, but that's what fuels it, right? It's it's people online saying, I'm with the people who believe this. Yeah. That's my tribe. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, none tribes. of those people are going to be, because you're, yeah, you're not a real community. You're not a real, like your real friends or anything. Right. It's purely an online posturing game. Right. So... But it does scratch that itch. But you're right. It's like junk food for the spirit. It it makes you feel like you have a community, but you're more alone than ever. Because you're ignoring the people next course, door. You know? Of course. And I fail at this game so bad every time with the community thing. Because anytime I, you know, for last few years where in the circles we roam around, there has been a bit of a hard right turn among a lot of people where there's been, like there are a lot, I don't know if it happened to you, there are a lot of people who started following me back in 2012, 2013, who by now they are like one inch away from white supremacist kind of thing, mm. where the turn has been from, oh, I, I'm open-minded and I like to smoke weed to becoming, oh, I'm kind of libertarian. Well, okay, that's fair. And then, no, I'm a little harder on that. And now mm. I'm a hardcore ANCAP. And now I'm capitalism is the way. And now, fuck you, homeless. I need to shoot you in the head because you are ruining my neighborhood. Fuck. That stuff, I've seen that happen. I can't even tell you how many times I'm on the people. And I would always check, like, who's this person? I'm like, oh, somebody who started looking at my stuff uh, eight years ago or nine years ago or something. And then I see this really hard, dark, very right-wing turn, right? And then I look at then I'm like, oh, then the left is where I feel more comfortable. And sure, more comfortable, but that's a relative term because then you hang out a little in, like, leftist chats and you're like, you guys are just as fucking cra- You're less, you annoy me less. I find you less dangerous. But deep down, in terms of your psychology, you're yeah. just as fucking crazy as those guys. You're just as dogmatic. It's authoritarianism. You're, absolutely. Yeah. And it's very like, this is what we believe. One through 15. And if you believe in only 14 and a half of those things, you're a traitor to the cause. And mm. we need to line you up. And right. you're like, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. And... Uh, and so I feel that I'm like the way I'm built, I cannot fit anywhere because even with the people that I do check most of the boxes, the second I'm actually hanging out with them for too long, I'm like, I'm out. Sorry, guys. Yeah. This is not my thing. I've never been comfortable in any group. I've never, uh, even people I agree with make me uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Like Burning Man. I probably yep. line up with most of the sure. values or hippies or Grateful Dead fans or whatever. I've never found a group where I'm like, yeah, I'm, these are my people. Like, ugh, my people are all weirdos like you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's exactly my experience. Where it's like, why is it that we agree on 95% of the official policy ideas kind of thing? but I'm not comfortable around you kind of thing. You know, where there's that feeling yeah. of like, I somehow we check the boxes, but it doesn't really address the fact that at a deeper level, nope, there's not a whole lot there that we have in common. And I don't ultimately trust you kind of feeling, you know, where there's that yeah. feeling of like, to me, even though you're saying all the good stuff, I sense uh, a tendency toward dogmatism and being ultra-judgmental of anybody who doesn't Mm -hmm. fit in the box that disturbed me, even when it's my box. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I thought of myself as sort of a neo-hippie, 
you know, eating mushrooms mm-hmm. and traveling around the world and, you know, I don't care about money, man, you know, and listening right. to Hendrix and the Beatles and whatever. Um, but when I would, you know, I often had this experience of sort of hanging out by a fire in Thailand or something. And there's the dude with the white dude with the dreadlocks and sure. you know, he's barefoot all the time and and just having him kind of look at me like I'm the you know you're so straight dude like and he doesn't know anything right. about me of course I have short hair and white skin yeah. and uh, he's making all these judgments and and it, you know I I would often think like. If you were in Germany in 1935, you'd be a fucking brown shirt, right? <laughs> yep. you're, you're just a follower. Yeah, yep, yep. You're not cool. Yep. Cool is you're not following anyone. Yep. Cool is you're doing your thing, mm-hmm. and you're not judging, and you're cool. Like that, I, I had a girlfriend once, beautiful, wonderful woman, young, 10 years younger than me, and we moved to San Francisco together. She's a Spanish chick. Moved to San Francisco, and one day she said to me, I want to be a hippie. And I was like, cool, what do you mean? Like, you want to get high or something? She's like, no, no. I I saw this store, and they sell these clothes. I'm going to be a hippie. (laughs) I was like, oh, you mean you're going to dress up like a hippie? Like for Halloween or something? Like, that's not being a hippie, woman. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man, that's fantastic. I love that one. Yeah, Yeah, it's... um... It's a tricky beast because at the end, yeah, you go back to the individual. You have to go like the way you travel around and do mushrooms. I like it. The way that other guy travels around and does mushroom, I don't. Mm. Why? It, yeah. You guys are doing the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. But it's not. It's different. Because there's yeah. a whole different energy that you bring to it, a different attitude, a different, ultimately everything, even though the surface looks the same. And I think all the labels are created on the surface. Mm. We have the same politics. We have the same religion. We have the same this. Then you dig like tiny bit below and it's like, no, it's not the same. Yeah. You guys may be using the same buzzwords, but your worldview is radically different actually. Yeah. Down. And the motivation that underlies those yep. decisions can be totally different. Yep. Yeah. How do you teach your daughter about this stuff? I think exactly like what we're doing. Just mm. you sit you just around, talk it out. you talk it out, yeah. and you go into why does this work? And you know, yeah, have these discussions. And she's uh, she's interesting because I always had these discussions with her from the get go. You know, from to me, if she's too, if she's putting words together, we can talk about anything, mm. right? And and it's surprising because the only thing you got to remember is okay. They have less experience and they have a smaller vocabulary. So mm. you have to explain certain words and you have to acknowledge the fact that the experience is not there. So you have to kind of walk them through it a little more. But other than that, and I don't know if it's because that goes to kind of that nature nurture thing. Like, I don't know if she was kind of a particular human being to begin with. And that's why I was able to have this conversation. Or if right. it's because I was having this conversation that she became that human being. It probably is a mix of both, sure. right? But, like, I had discussions with her about take any topic, the most wild topic that people go, like, oh, we're going into this deep thing. I would have this conversation with her at four years old, right? Mm. And I wouldn't feel like I was talking to myself and I'm just sharing, you know, right. I would feel like she got it. She understood. Right. She not only got it and understood, she offered insight that I didn't think of. Right. And I'm like, you got a good point. That's Why do cool. I feel that way? Yeah. Let me think it through because I don't know the answer. Let me figure it out here. Yeah. 
And so we would have this discussion. Recently, there was a friend of mine came to visit, and um, he, my daughter and he started chatting, and I was doing something else. So they were out here chatting, doing their thing. And, and later he was telling me, it's so trippy because I'm in that conversation and I completely forgot that she's 11 years old because it's like, it's a conversation with my smartest 40-year-old would be exactly like right. that. But then I turn, I go in the house and I turn around and I see Barbies everywhere. <laughs> and then I remember, oh, she's a little girl. You know, yeah. it's like that. Yeah. So there's this weird just that position of like, no, she's a kid at the same time. No, she's not. And she hasn't been at all in the way people think of kids for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my father always used to love to tell this story uh, of an experience he had with me like that when I was, I don't know, five or seven. I don't know how old I was. But we were driving in the car, and um, I asked him where trees came from. Mm -hmm. And so he explained seeds falling in the dirt and the rain and the seed sprouts and the new mm -hmm. tree comes out of it and all that. And, and I was just sort of sitting there for a few minutes quietly, and then I said, where did the first tree come from? Of course. <laughs> he was like, oh, you little fucker. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> that's a good one. And uh... <laughs> yeah. He always said, like, that's that's when I started taking you seriously. Like, okay, <laughs> you're throwing shit at me that I didn't see coming. And, it was, and his, his attitude was like yours. It was like, okay, he was humble. He of wasn't course. like, I got all the answers. Shut no, up. No, of course. It was like, oh, hmm, let me think about I that. Know. I don't know. And 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 honestly, I think for a kid, that's such a an empowering experience to ask a question that you're, you know, the font of all answers mm -hmm. says, "Huh, I don't know. I'm about to learn something while I think about that." Thank you. Holy shit! 100%. Adults are taking me seriously. Yep. That energy goes right through to you know having the the confidence to write a book mm -hmm. you know to to teach a class to whatever to to think Absolutely. you have the right to stand up in front of a bunch of people and say something it's like well it's because my dad took me seriously when i was nine yeah. you know yeah no i yeah. mean i think it's that's cool. exactly i don't understand how other people do it because to me that seems so natural and normal like how else would you communicate but i do understand it's not common you know, especially in her case, like her mom died when she was a year and a half old, right? So, of course, you're going to have discussions about topics that are both heavy Big. and complicated very early. Right. right? She's going to be four and it's like, okay, but what happens after somebody dies? Right. Where do you think she is? Or what do you... And, of course, clearly you don't have, you don't have real answers to that. You can say, look, nobody knows. But at the same time, this is what I feel. This is what my mm. experience has been. And this is why I have an inkling that, that there may be something having to do with this. But of course, at the end of the day, I don't know. And what's your feel? Have you had dreams? Have you had, mm. what's your gut instinct? What's your, because right. your gut instinct is as good as any answer you're going to find anywhere from Especially, the top religious authority to right. anything else. Especially are, with little kids yeah. where it hasn't been contaminated yep. with yep. nonsense. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. How would you be different? Have you thought about how you would be different if you'd never had a child? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because before having her, before having her, I was perfectly happy with where I was in the world. I didn't feel like I need to have a kid to be validated or something. 
at the same time, having her now is such a huge part of who I am mm. that is like, oh, damn, yeah, I can see how that would be a radical. It's strange because a lot of me would be the same and a lot of me would not be. Mm. And it's both elements are there at the same time. And it's so hard to separate because I can, it's like I can look at both sides, but I can't look at both sides at the same time and bring right. them together, you right. know? that makes sense. But it's, uh, it is, I mean, one thing that's interesting is that people sometimes talk about kids like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever and blah, blah, blah. Now, I am super happy of having her. I feel is like one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. At the same time, are you kidding? It's brutally hard in multiple ways, in terms of time, in terms of energy, in terms of uh, testing every one of your buttons of mm. uh, patience. And mm -hmm. like there are moments where, especially when she was little, as she grows up, it's so much easier every year. But like when she was really little, there were so many moments where I felt like the mirror just was brought up right in front of my face and I really didn't like what I saw in there because I was like, are you seriously yelling at that mm. two-year-old because she spilled milk? Mm. Is that where you're at? Is mm. that where, because you are so, like, your handle on your stress, you keep it together in, like, adult situation, but somebody does some dumb shit that you're responsible for and now you just are yelling and losing your mind. Right. It's like, right. you're a piece of shit. Whatever you thought about yourself as being great this and that is... Uh, and so that was uh, humbly the way I did not particularly enjoy multiple, multiple times. It must have been, I mean, for you, though, it was compounded, right? Because you were dealing with that, but you were also dealing with grief. Yep. I imagine you're still dealing with grief. You must look at her sometimes sure. and see her mother. and. Yeah, that's a trippy one right that's there. Like crazy. the grief aspect is something that, you know, people talk about grief as a process. Yeah. I don't get it. Because to me, it's like my emotions don't really change over time. You know, the shit that wrecked me at one point in time, if I put my mind there, wrecks me just the same. It's not that somehow I'm immune to it or I've grown to find a resolution to any of it. Or mm. I just feel like eventually just because you are more used to it, it comes up less. Mm. But that's about it. It's like, I don't feel that I have this key that suddenly I have these emotions that back then screw me over, but then I did this process and I understood and now I'm at peace. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not. I don't know how people do it, but I'm like, no, the shit that bothered me 30 years ago or 20 years ago or 10 years ago, if I put my mind there, still bugs me now. You know, so it's, it's a question of now you have the choice whether to put your mind there or not. A little more, whereas of course in the initial thing your mind is always there whether yeah. you want it or not. But like yeah. my dad died a few months ago in October. Man, I think about it all the time. Like every day, nothing changes. I don't feel like, oh, more months have gone by, you feel better about it or is less. I don't. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by people who manage to, who have a process, who somehow can kind of move through stages or whatever it is. It's like good for them. Like I'm not saying it like, oh, you guys are all full of shit. Uh, it's not my experience. So you guys are wrong. By all means, I'm happy for you mm. if that's the way it works for you. Just not how it works for me. Right. Yeah. It's all about how it's framed. Yeah, my dad died almost three years. It'll be three years mm -hmm. in September. And... uh yeah, I, I often think the same thing. It's like, it's not, 
Um, it's not like metabolizing or digesting f- a meal right. or something yeah. where it just it's like, okay, oh, now we are gone. over it. Yeah, yeah took a like, shit and then, yeah. sorry, Dad, <laughs> done. <laughs> it's not like that. Yeah. It, it's it's like I don't know. For me, it's like he's present in my consciousness. In I don't know. I read someone said that grief was a way of keeping people alive. So it's, and grief is a weird word because grief to me implies sadness and heaviness and darkness and despair, that kind of stuff. Whereas I, there's almost a lightness to the grief I feel for my father, but it's still grief. Right. You know? Um, In which way? Like what's the lightness? Well, because he was a funny guy. Okay. And he was, uh, he was very much about enjoyment and singing and laughing and having a good time. And so, you know, part of my memories of him are my, they're very much tied in with his laughter and his enjoyment of life. So it's, so I miss him, and it, there is a sadness there, but his echo mm-hmm. is a happy... Yeah. That's interesting, because like the fact that you're able to do that, because even cases where I can think of the same thing, like, there's a hap- like the vibe is a happy one, is a loving one, is a good one. The fact that I know I never get to experience that moment again, the fact that I never get to be in that room, hearing those sounds, having that dialogue, seeing those expressions, all of that, still fucks me up. Yeah, but... Yeah, I I get that, but, but I feel like, for me, it's like he got old and sick before he died, right? Sure. So that guy that I'm remembering, mm-hmm. the laughing, singing, mm-hmm. good time dude, the last 10 years he was alive, he wasn't there. Right. right. So even if he were still alive, I would still never be able to go back there. I would still never experience those things again. So in effect, it's like, when does someone die? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you and I might say goodbye this evening and not see each other for five sure. years when we meet again we're not who we are sure. right now sure. so did we die or or another example more concrete and and kind of more disturbing in some ways is you know 5 years from now if i if i get advanced dementia and we meet and i don't recognize you is this still me sure right am right. i alive of course of course it's a weird i think that's because for me the overwhelming majority of people close to me that who have died have not died uh, like that. Who are like, like my grandma died. She was like ninety six or something. She had been not in a happy place for at least four or five years. Mm. So I'm like that. I can. I mean, I still miss it. It sucks. It's there's a sadness, but there's also an element of like, okay, I get it. You know, that's the process. He was kind of over already. Mm. I'm relieved she's gone because she's not dealing with all the crap she had to deal with. So there still is that element of missing something of the past that's never coming back. But there's also, I guess it helps you make peace with that process slightly more. Whereas with so many people who I remember them a year before and they are like ridiculously full of life Mm. and a year later they are gone, Mm. 
it doesn't compute in my brain. It just doesn't right. add up or it's like, <clears throat> no, there was that energy, was strong, was there, mm. was all of that. How can you go from point A to point B with such a narrow time frame? You're just right. like, no, that doesn't work. That doesn't add up. And of course it does yeah. work. That's the way life is. But it just psychologically doesn't allow you to yeah kind of make your peace with it a little bit at a time when they are still alive right. right where you accept that idea a little more and then you're like oh if they died it may not be the worst thing in the world for them or yeah. i actually wish it for them because this is getting ugly and you know you don't have the time to go through that process and and you you know i i very consciously went through that feeling like he's gone already right so when his body dies yeah. it, it won't be the day he died it'll be the day he stopped dying yeah yeah, yeah. So what about you? If you had a choice, would you rather, let's say the same age, let's sure. say 80 or whatever, sure. would you rather just uh, go to bed and not wake up or would you rather be diagnosed with an illness and go through the process like, okay, you got nine months to say goodbye no, and think means, about things? go to bed and not wake up. That's, huh. I think, the sign me up right now. You know, <laughs> It's like that sound. Not right now, literally, but like right now, if we can make an appointment, if we can make an appointment for like when I'm 80, we're good. Yeah, you know, that yeah. sounds good. Because, um, but what about the wisdom that can be gained from the experience of knowing yeah, you're dying? Fuck that. I thought about it my whole life. I don't need to think about it six more months with extra pressure and uh, fear and fuck that. No. What about suicide? How do you feel about that? Um, never bother me because you know, I'm just like, look, that is a personal thing and it's like only you know what you're going through and my standard attitude even like when people would uh, like people who maybe have been voicing being suicidal around me i was never the guy who's like no think about how good life is like i don't fucking know you may have every good reason in the world to kill yourself right now however go for it no my thing is is in fact is let's make a deal yeah do me a favor just to make sure that that's the right choice give it six months six months right. is not the end of the world you know right. you go through six months in a second it's like if in six months you still like let's try to do some things to make your life better that you're telling me already that they are never gonna work that's fine it's okay maybe i accept it maybe yeah. they, probably let's say that you want but give it six months of time anyway yeah. if you still feel that way in six months okay we could have that conversation but just give it a little time because uh yeah yeah it's uh what's the saying it's a permanent solution yeah. to a temporary problem yeah, maybe yeah. your problem is not temporary maybe we find but let's find out yeah you know let's find out if you don't feel different about these things down the road or if and also life is full of surprises so totally. if you're feeling like everything's fucked it's not worth going going on well why not just see yeah right why not wait and see see sure. what happens yeah. something awesome could happen and also I mean, I don't know. What am I talking about? I, I, I mean, people who are suffering from, you know, serious clinical depression uh -huh. or, um, you know, terminal diagnosis or whatever, that's, you know, as you said, we don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's very personal. But, um, yeah, I do feel like when, when I hear from young people who write to me sometimes and they're feeling hopeless yeah. and, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know. I don't, you're in your 50s, 40s? I'm 47 right now. 47. Yeah. I'm 59. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting. The older I get, the more 
it's it's a strange phenomenon where I, I don't know there must be a word for it when you're close to it it's harder to see but the further you, mm-hmm. away you get the more so i look back at my 20s now and i realize how deeply uncomfortable i was mm-hmm. and how that discomfort was compounded by the sort of um global assumption that everybody in their 20s is living the best years of, of their lives of and you should be so fucking happy. You're young. You got yeah. your whole life ahead of you. Your body's strong. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, uh, I'm lost. Yeah. I'm confused. Yep. I feel like I'm fucking things up. I don't know how to make decisions. I don't know who I love. I'm afraid to let go of this person because maybe I'll never find anyone like them. And and it, But I need to move on. And, mm-hmm. and I, it's so sad to leave people behind. But I need to go forward. And there's all this. I look I look at people in their 20s now and I just feel so much compassion mm-hmm. for them. You know, it's yeah. so, I mean, maybe, you know, your life is turning out really well. Some bumps, sure. some, some tragedy, clearly. Um, my life has turned out way better than I had any right to expect. So, you know, maybe things don't turn out well. And then you look back in your 20s and you say, those were the glory yeah. days. Yep. Um, but certainly in my case, I look back and it's like, wow, it's so much harder not to know how things are going to turn out mm-hmm. than it is, again, this is my case, to say, oh, this is how they turned out. Yep. Cool. Yep. You know, I'm not a superstar. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not, But I never aspired to be those things. Right. Um, but I'm generally satisfied. I've got love. I've got enough money to live on. I got this great job where I talk with friends and people send me money send me money <laughs> that's, that's a good setup I like you people it. who aren't sending me money yes <laughs> how, how are we going to guilt trip them into it how dare you listen to this without sending us money damn it <laughs> yeah no man i i'm how, with you how do you monetize your your podcast i well, mean i know you get the one is a commercial yeah. deal but the so, drunken Taoist, you the have drunken Patreon Taoist, I kind or of what? don't. You know, there are a few people who donate. That's sweet. Then you've got, you know, a few companies that you get not even money. You usually get like deals where they send you cool products or sex like, toys. Yeah, in my case. you're like, hey, that that works. Sex that's toys, nice. Yeah. That's a. But so drunken Taoist uh, is more of a fun hobby. It's a passion way. project. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. cool. It's fun. It's uh, and also in terms of time investment, is not that much. Whereas History on Fire is brutal time investment, but also pays off. Both now, because I'm under contract with Luminary, but even earlier I had between Patreon and um, ads. You know, I would have I would have a good chunk of ads initially, mm. and people would bitch about it. I'm like, dude, fast forward, motherfucker. It's the only thing I need. Yeah. That's what I need to live on. So if you yeah. can't fast forward by seven minutes of ads tough shit you know that's otherwise there's no do you do mid mid roll as well no no, that's the only thing i would not do i would do beginning and that's i would have a long stretch at the beginning i'm like dude you don't want to do it patreon five dollars a month there are no ads oh so you got an ad free version or you can do it just fast forward 10 minutes if you have an ad uh, obsession that you hate them so much and um and so that was you know, he's still on fire. It's funny that way too, because like I don't understand success because I've done like <laughs> ten million things in my life, yeah. and most of them have either kind of work like ah that's decent or no that really didn't work, and then like something like history on fire hit it in a way that changed conditions in my life quite a bit, hmm. and I'm like I don't know why the one that one worked. So how do you other. replicate it? It's impossible. To me, it's like 
I don't want to be, I'm like the opposite of the grind porn of people like work hard and you will succeed. I'm like, it's 85% luck. And then there's something you can do about it in between. Mm. But like even History on Fire, I love it. I think, I think I do create something awesome with it. But do I even think it's the best thing I've ever done? No. Mm. I think there are other things I've done that are way better that I've never had one tenth of the success. Mm. That's yeah, life. it's a mystery. You know, you throw a bunch of seeds out there and something, Some the sprout. one that grows is not necessarily the one you think it was going to grow. It's not even um, the one you were watering no, necessarily. It's like, look at that. It drowned the it's one like, I was watering. Yeah. So yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting trip that way. Yeah, you know, the, the, I'm sure you know the concept of Wu Wei. Yeah. Trying yeah, not yeah, to try, yeah. you know. I was I was talking with a guy this morning about that uh, Tony Gonzalez, a NFL player, oh, yeah. really nice. interesting, really smart guy. But we were talking about that how, like, as an athlete, as a musician, as an actor, as a as a lover, uh-huh. as a dancer, whatever. It's like there's a time to learn the moves, put in the work, and then he was saying like, uh, he had a very concrete example. He's like, look, a guy like me. I'm just gifted, right? I was just born. Right. I can jump high. I yeah. can run fast. I can catch things. Hand-eye coordination. I got it all, right? Sure. So high school, boom, I'm the star. Yeah. College, boom, I'm the star. Pros, I'm not the star anymore. Everybody else has the same thing. Right. <laughs> right. And all those guys yeah. are phenomenon. Yeah. All those guys have gone through life being the best, the best, the best, the best, the best. And then you get to a level the highest level where you're not the best anymore, dude. Of course. You're just one of the guys. And and he said, that's the first time as an athlete of his caliber, that's the first time it's no longer about your body. Mm-hmm. Now you got to get into your head. Now it's about how you think about it. It's mm-hmm. about how you finding the zone. And so it's not about acquiring new stuff. It's about letting go. Right. And, and we were talking about how that's so sort of universal. That's like an, you know, it's, I mean, my, I was talking with my uncle last night, Uncle Dan, who's been on this podcast. And Uncle Dan is like, you know, he's an old man with no fucking teeth and he still picks up women. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> right. And the, the key is that he is openly appreciative. You're a beautiful woman. Uh-huh. But he's not trying to get laid. Right. He doesn't want anything. Yep. He's, he doesn't care. He's but he is openly appreciative, uh-huh. and women respond to that because like, oh, this guy doesn't have an agenda. He's yep. just a nice guy, and I like the way I feel when he looks at me. You yep. know, um, there's something about letting go of uh, expectations uh-huh. that invites the thing into your life. Yeah, it, but it's so hard to learn. It is because it's like the universe is fucked up that way. It's, <laughs> it's like the so more you up. want it, the least you're gonna get it, Dude. and the more you're relaxed about it, that's when sad, it's right. like, wait, what? The hornier you that? are, yeah. the less likely you are to get laid. Absolutely. I and mean, you go out to yeah. the club with a rubber in your pocket, you're not getting laid. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's where I feel that like <laughs> escorts are goddesses of mercy because i'm like <laughs> that's the only guarantee where it's like yes you are paid you are gonna get laid in right. some cases with absolutely fantastically beautiful sweet women and so suddenly the whole psychological process of like oh i i want this so bad and it's mm. not gonna work suddenly it's not there anymore because it's like well that can happen literally anytime you want mm. provided you don't get arrested along the way but other mm. than that you're it's like 
And so now if it's something that can happen anytime you want, suddenly it's not that stressful of a thing anymore right. because you're not thinking, oh my God, I really want it. I can't have it kind of thing. Now it's like, oh, that's an option. Yeah. So now I don't have to approach every every lady that I'm super attracted to with that energy. Where right. it's like, oh my God, I wish I did. It's like, nope. It's like, that's great. You're hot. You're wonderful. You're a cool, cool person too. But do I need you, need you? No, not like that. Yeah. It's like, it's great. I mean, yeah. if maybe if the stars align, that's how it works. Wonderful. But it doesn't. And so suddenly when you don't have that, like your ankle's example, when you don't have that needy energy, suddenly it's a hundred times easier. And you're like, wait, now that I don't care about it, it's so much easier. Wait, what? That's that's the experience of getting older too it's you know the, the, again in my 20s i was so fucking horny and it but it wasn't just horny it wasn't just you know body it mm-hmm. was i i look back now and i see do you want to pause no, no, um that it was a hunger for intimacy mm-hmm. it wasn't just about sex sure um because i never had a problem jerking off sure, or sure. you know i never had any shame around yeah. masturbation or anything like that so it wasn't that it was just like I was living, my life was really beautiful and interesting, traveling in, you know, beautiful tropical places. And and being alone, it felt like, it, it was like not having a sense of smell in a in a mm-hmm. great restaurant or something. It's like, I, I'm only perceiving part of this. What I need to be with someone I'm in, I need to add yep. love to this. Yep. Yep. And then yep. it would make sense. Um, and I could never do the escort thing, even in Thailand. I was in Thailand mm-hmm. for long, lots of months. And I could never hook up with a Thai girl, even though it mm-hmm. would have been so easy. And you know, Sure. Um, because for me, like I said, it wasn't about the sex. It was about she, I need to feel that she wants to be with sure. me. And no, if there's and that's money an involved, extremely common thing, of course. Uh, you know what feels? In, yeah, you know what's interesting for me mm-hmm. is like that dynamic to me is when uh, is not purely about sex. It is about sex, but it's not purely about sex. There is a little of that, but not in the sense of oh, you need to love me, which is like let's be real, we are exchanging money for sex. That's mm-hmm. where it's at. Is if it's the if it's something where it's like, look, we can be really, it's an, clearly a transaction, but we can be really fucking nice to each other in a way where we can just be, have a really pleasant hour or two or whatever the hell it is with one another, where there's no illusion that there's, you know, we know why we are here, but at the same time, it can be oddly pleasant to mm. find a very decent human interaction in a context that people associate with anything but decent or good mm. or anything. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, I'll tell you crazy, like, uh, I don't think I ever told you this one. Like, first time ever, I, I, I'm talking about it like I'm, like, I, no, I have not seen like 10 million escorts in my life. That's not been the scenario. But like, first time ever I was in that situation was interesting because like, I felt going in, I felt like, what the fuck am I doing? This is not me. What am I? I like, I was scared. I was weirded out. I was curious enough to want to go there. But at the same time, I was like, this may be horror stories I've heard that it may be terrible, right? So I'm going a little edgy. Mm. And I meet this lady. God damn, so sweet. 
I'm just talking on a, as a human being, like really nice, yeah. where we have this converse. At one point, you know, after all is said, and, and granted, I understand that's her job to also make you feel like she wants to be there with you or hang out or talk yeah, or whatever. Yeah, but some of that stuff can't be fake. Some of the stuff absolutely yeah. can be fake. Then this, like, a, the part that really tripped me out that played a number on my head was at the very end when all is said and done, you're laying in bed naked, uh, chit-chat, and she asked me things about my life. Now, that's a time in my life where everything has gone to shit in my life, right? Mm. It's as dark as dark gets. It's, I forget how long, maybe a year after my wife died, something like that, right? Where it's like, I'm like, well, if you want to know, <laughs> I'll tell you. And, you know, so I kind of give her the spiel of what's up with my life. And she's like, you know what? Don't pay me. It's like, you need the money more than I do. I'm like, no, let's not be, be ridiculous. No, of course I'm paying. Let's not go there, of course. And now we're having an argument with her not wanting to be paid and me wanting to pay her. And we go back and forth and and I'm like, how fucking sweet is this? Mm. You know, in the one environment yeah. where people think it's all about nothing but money and you would kill each other over two dimes kind of thing. We are strangers who are making that minimum level of connection where for that hour we're actually caring about each other. And I want you to make sure that you get yours, that you're good, that you don't have to do and that you are trying to make my life better. Like for me, finding that element of just sweetness and decency in a context that most people would not think is where you're gonna find it just make me feel good about life. I yeah. just felt good about humanity. I felt good about life. I felt good about a lot of things. So I was like, look at that. This is anything by what I would have expected. If my personal experience is, is any indication and I think it is in this area, I think a lot of women feel um, compassion and service uh, intertwined with their sexuality. I've known a lot of women who have told me, look, if there were a way for me to have sex with guys who are lonely or guys who are sick, or guys who are old, mm -hmm. or guys who are sad, if I could use my sexuality to make them feel better, that would make me incredibly happy. Society sure. doesn't allow it, sure. right? But the, with the Vestal Virgins, you yeah. know, there are traditions of this in different societies. And, um, you know, or uh, surrogate sex therapy, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I, I know a lot of women that if there were a way that they could use their bodies and their sexuality to help men feel better about themselves, they would. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, the men make it really hard, yeah. you know, and the society makes it hard. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I think the, the sort of cliche of the, the hooker with the heart of gold, that, there's a lot of truth in that. Well, like all stereotypes, does it apply to everybody? No. Of Is it the majority not. of people? No. Is there a solid percentage right. in the minority? Yeah. Hell yeah. That's how stereotypes are, right? And you know Nina Hartley? Yeah. Porn star. Yeah. Uh, last I looked, she had had sex with more men than any other woman <laughs> on camera. Right. Uh, I interviewed her for the podcast, and she, she started out as a nurse. Uh -huh. And she was all about helping people, making them feel better, you know, helping uh -huh. them through tragedies and so on. And I don't remember the story. We can go, anyone listening can go back to the archives and hear it. But she, I remember there was a 
a direct transition from nursing to sex, sex work, work in I terms of it's like it, to her it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just another way to bring relief and uh, and comfort. Yeah, interesting world we live in where we demonize some of the most beautiful, generous impulses we have and celebrate the dark. What and, the fuck? And to me, in fact, is that's what it's about, right? More than any other quality a human being can possess. Are you a kind human being? Can you show kindness to people when you don't have to, when it's not because mm. you're going to get something out of it? Right. When you Can you show that to me? In my list of priority, that's like number one, two, three, four, and five. And we can talk about any other talent you may have way probably out of the top 10 after we're done with kindness, 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 like at every step of the way. I mean, even the thing we were talking about earlier with like uh, like dialogues with my daughter where I like people hang out with her and they're like, oh, fuck, she's so smart. She's so this. Like to me, the fact that she's smart, I'm like, that's great. But I don't really care that much. Mm. I'm like, I'm glad you're smart. You can make life easier in some way, harder in others. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, you it's know, a watch. yeah. You know yeah. what I care about? The fact that you're being smart, you put it at the service of being actually a really sweet person. Mm. That I care about because now you're using something that could go either way. Do you ever worry yeah. that by cultivating her kindness? you may be increasing her vulnerability? This is where to me is fun. And that's where parenting, like anything else in life, is a yin-yang, uh, mm. delicate game of balance, right? Because at the same time, like a lot of the way she grows up is, uh, you know, we would watch Conan the Barbarian together when she was five. And she's all about, like, she, she you know, I told her, because I never had the hard rules about what she can't watch. But like at one point when she wanted to watch Game of Thrones, I'm like, mm. Mm, no, for one reason. You get really sad when you see good people suffer. Mm. And there's a fuckload of a that in of this. That. So about we don't? Yeah. But like, so she wanted to just see selected scene of Arya Stark because he's like this badass female character. And so she has a passion for fighting, revenge, toughness, assertiveness, mm. and all that, right? Like the other day, like this is the per- this is what I mean about the perfect now, right there, right? So she's at school and she comes back and she's enthusiastic because like, what happened? What happened? I'm like, well, you know, we got out of class and she just finished sixth grade, right? The whole way was packed with eighth graders. And, uh, you know, we ask, excuse me, you know, like she and two of her friends, they need to get to the class. And they're all like, fuck, sixth graders. So nobody moves. They're all packed in there. And and so the two friends are like, okay, we need to run around the building. and We can still make it in time, but let's run. And Isabella was like, no, follow me. And she starts physically removing the eighth graders out of the way. Like, not mean, but also very firm. And... They were all so weirded out that nobody knew what to do with it other than letting yeah. remove them. Yeah. And so by the time they get through the other side, the other two girls are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. You know, my parents told me never do that, but that was awesome. And, and I was like, good for you. That's that's what I like it's to hear both. You right. know what I mean? Right. If you are just that, I would worry because you can become an asshole. Right. If you are just the sweet, nice kind, I worry because yeah. of vulnerability. If you can do, if they are both in your tool set and you just get to choose which one you want to bring out, now I'm happy. Now I feel Yeah, and, and there's also a related insight would be that sometimes the kindest thing you can do is going to cause pain. Mm-hmm. So the kindness 
isn't just surface level sweetness. It's thinking like, you know what? Uh, I need to set a boundary here and I need to stick to it. And that's the best, even though you don't want me to, because you've got this immediate thing going on over the long term. This is the, I need this. This is the way it has to be. That's the way there's like a, you know, I don't want to say cruel to be kind, Mm -hmm. but certainly firm to be kind. You need to have, it's a range, right? You, yeah. Why would you choose one or the other? You want to have the whole range of possibilities. And then when that situation calls for a particular tool, well, it's in your toolbox. You right. know how to handle it. Yeah, you can be firm. Or no, now you're going to be flexible. Or, And that's the thing that I've hammered with there. I mean, that's the thing that I've hammered with myself or with any conversation. Like yeah. that topic of you want to learn how to be tough how to be assertive, how to be strong in a classical sense, precisely for the reason that then you put it to the service of being soft and sweet and flexible and all that. So right. that those qualities don't become a weakness, right. but they are they go hand in hand with a deeper strength behind. It's like what we were saying earlier about you know, the athlete or the musician who does the work to learn the chops, mm-hmm. and then when you're on stage... You can forget all that yep. and just flow. Yep. Because you got it. You did it. You. I feel that way. <clears throat> I don't know. How, your relationship with martial arts is different from mine, but I, I felt like my motivation for studying martial arts when I was young was that I was afraid. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, especially when I started taking hallucinogens and traveling a lot and facing fears in other ways, I felt much less motivated because I found myself thinking about fighting all the time when I was doing martial arts. I was always thinking like someone comes this way, I'm going to do that. And this, if they have a knife, I'll do this and that. And I was like, man, I, I, I want to not think about fighting. I want to not be in conflict. That's what I mean about not fitting in any group. Because it's like, I'm with you, right? I love that stuff. I'm into it. But then I'm like, I'm around people who all they talk about is that. I'm like, Jesus, man, really? It's like, how about we talk about, uh, hey, that's a nice orange that you got. You have a great orange tree over there. How do you raise it? Let's talk about other shit. You know, it's like the fun of doing that is to develop a tool, not to become 24-7 obsessed with that energy. Right. Yeah. But I get it. Have you ever ever carried a gun? uh, No. It's a weird thing. I always have a knife on me because it's like you use it for opening boxes, whatever. Making sandwiches. So it's like, but yeah, I tend to go around with some rather scary looking thing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> scary looking. Yeah, but, uh, you but make no. sandwiches with that, yeah, right? You know, yeah, it could be. Okay. <laughs> it's a multi-purpose tool. Yeah. But yeah. Like, what has been your experience? On well, it's just, you know, gun? just metaphorically, I, I, I had a thing where I carried a gun for a while and, and just like... I, it changes the way you look at the world. It sure. changes, you know, the the realm of the, the possibilities that one anticipates is different mm-hmm. because you're thinking like, okay, I mean, I was in Manhattan. Like, oh, that guy just got on the subway. It looks kind of rough. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. okay, feel it there. Yeah. Feel it in my pocket. Like, or, Hammer, uh, nail, hammer, nail. Yeah, I have a I, hammer, <laughs> so I see nails I everywhere. Yeah, On my belt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's strange. Uh, Daniele, always so cool to hang out with you, man. It's always fun. Um, 
By the way, Daniele didn't introduce me, but my name's Chris Ryan. Oh, God damn it. I'm this... such a terror. If I assuming that I am on a whole host, we are not that clear, but yes. Fucking bad Daniele. Stupid bad Italian. Daniele. Yeah. All right. So we'll uh we'll figure out when we'll release this. Uh yeah, it's it's I wish we lived in the same city but i'm not moving back to la not I, even for you brother i can sympathize i can uh man even this is not la so much better but i understand that there are many oh, other hi. places in the world where i can't afford oh really i love it it's nice here yeah it's it's i mean where i'm living in colorado it's not green right it's high desert yeah so you don't have like you i'm looking at you've got roses and uh yeah beautiful that, um, maple tree is that a maple tree there? that one looks like it something yeah yeah all right daniele bolelli uh check him out uh the drunken Taoist podcast yes, and history indeed. on fire and vice versa we got tangentially speaking yeah among great other. you pronounced it right so many native english speakers can't say what do they say tangentially speaking <laughs> that may be appropriate that may be more appropriate than one would think but i don't know my genitals aren't particularly That's... tan i gotta tell you i tend to keep them out of the sun uh... <laughs> all right thanks for this one all right that was daniele polelli i uh, hope you enjoyed that and uh, appreciate your time and your attention i just want to remind you that these podcasts are up on youtube now uh at least audio, the ones that I record on the computer, you know, virtually uh, have the video as well. This one with Daniele, I recorded in person, obviously, so it's just the audio. But they are up on YouTube. The channel is Chris Ryan, and you'll find uh, all the podcasts there, the recent ones, and um, Mike Marr, who uh, I've had on the podcast. Who's, I haven't posted it yet, but you'll meet him very shortly. Um, he's been managing the whole thing, doing a great job. He's also going back into the archives and uh, uploading selected uh, podcast from the archives at this point and eventually i guess we're going to get them all up there but um, mike's in charge of that so i uh, really appreciate all the work he's put into this so go over there watch them on youtube if you want that generates a little ad in revenue uh, mike and i are splitting that so uh, that'll hopefully uh, compensate him for some of his time and, and effort all right thanks here's mom and carsey okay mom uh, tell people what they can order from the garage Okay, in our cottage garage, we have lots and lots of T-shirts. Sex at Dawn, Civilized to Death, Vanthropology, Tangentially Speaking, Paleo Modern, and Talking Out of My Ass. (laughs) She didn't like saying that last one. Then we now have some new things added. We've got Beer Cozies or koozies or whatever they're called oh civilized to death they're all civilized to death we have stickers and car decals right yes okay there you have it that's julie my mom he said baby what's a big deal feel what you want to feel say what you want to say you're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna 
die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't wanna give the end away But we're gonna die one day Your body is an animal Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day Why do we waste our time Thinking about a reputation Running from a confrontation Wondering what we ought to say <laughs> When everyone we've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't want to give the end away But we're gonna die one day We're gonna die one day We're gonna die one day So baby, what's a big deal? If you want to be free Say what you want to feel Spend the night with me I'm gonna take you up in my arms And if we must go down We'll go singing to the smoke alarms We'll dance into the ground